0: Some people love Shakespeare, others not so much, but a Shakespeare adaptation is always a good time. Constellation Theatre at 14th and T is featuring a musical called Desperate Measures. It's based off of Shakespeare's play Measure for Measure, but it's set in the Wild West. A gunslinging nun teams up with a sheriff and a saloon dancer to save her brother. Buy tickets now at constellationtheater.org. The show runs through March 17th. Once again, that's constellationtheater.org.
1: So we are kicking off our first ever CityCast 6 Awards, where we recognize six individuals transforming D.C. in various categories, like food, business, music, and more. We want your input. Vote at the link in the show notes before November 17th. Today on City Guest DC, the FBI has finally said where it's moving, and it's a decision that could have a big impact on the entire shape of the DC area. Plus, the Wizards and Capitals want money, want city money, that is, to spiff up their stadium in Gallery Place. And what's up with restaurants charging credit card fees? Dan Reed and Julia Karen are here to chat through the week in local news. Today is Friday, November 10th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey, Dan and Julia. Hey.
2: Hey, how's it going?
1: Good, good. Dan, you write a lot about development and suburbs. There's maybe the biggest news in a very long time about that combination of things, which is that the FBI, remember them, they have that big brutalist building on Pennsylvania Avenue that you've written about. They have been trying for some years to move and there's been a big debate about whether they go Maryland or go Virginia or go D.C., but they dropped that a while ago. And the news is out. What happened and what does it mean? So uh, federal officials announced this week
3: that the... FBI headquarters will go to Greenbelt, which you may know as the end of the Green Line. There has been for a long time plans for a big development on the parking lot at the metro station, which is like 60 acres and some surrounding land for like apartments and offices and housing and retail and stuff. And the FBI was intended to be an anchor there. FBI in Greenbelt beats out two other sort of contenders in the region that have been discussed. Uh, One is the former Landover Mall site, also in Prince George's County and the other was in Springfield. And so this had been set up as a sort of big battle between Maryland and Northern Virginia. Uh, But also underneath that was a conversation about equity, right? You know, Prince George's County is majority Black County. It's the second most affluent Black County in the nation, but it is still generally an economic, like, laggard behind the rest of the D.C. area. And so there were a lot of arguments that the federal government, which has expressed a commitment towards equity and it's like siting and investments, uh, should put the FBI headquarters in Prince George's County. And it looks like those arguments won out.
1: So what's wild to me is it's going to be like a big kind of mixed UC development. You know, it'll be a place you can walk around uh, near. It's right by the metro. I guess there'll be places to eat and whatever. And I had always imagined that the FBI's like headquarters would be like a compound, right? Like, good luck getting on there. Their place on Pennsylvania Avenue is right in the middle of a city neighborhood, but it is, you know, a forbidding building, not just because of the architecture, but because like it's not like there's like a dry cleaner on the ground floor or something like that. The idea, though, is that bringing all these jobs and there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people who work there to Greenbelt. Some of these people will probably want to move closer to the office. Some of these people yeah. will step out for lunch, find a dentist nearby, or otherwise do things that that contribute to the economic development of the area. It's interesting how it's supposed to look.
3: There's a weird like tension, right? Because one of the reasons given for why the FBI should move out of DC was for security, and the idea is that Greenbelt is a little more secluded, which is makes and they can have a formal campus that's easier to like secure the entirety of, but. You know, in my head, I'm, like, picturing union market, but for cops. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) There's also the issue of, like, does the FBI itself want to move, right? Yeah. Top brass have said that they intend to keep some employees downtown, in part because every morning FBI staff go over to the Justice Department and have, like, an important meeting Mm -hmm. to talk about important things that we will never know about which they cannot necessarily accomplish if they are in Greenbelt, considering how unreliable the Green Line is.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I was gonna say, like, could you imagine how (laughs) miffed an FBI person would be? They go to this meeting downtown, and then you have to find a way to get on the Green Line and go all the way to Greenbelt. Like, I would not be surprised if the FBI's top brass are like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Why not just have a state out
1: town? I have a strong hunch the motor pool is not going to get any smaller. Yeah. As was, <laughs> that too. I mean, the bureaucratic logic, and this is, you know, a government agency, is keep yourself close to your bosses, mm-hmm. i.e. the Justice Department, keep yourself close to the people who fund you, i.e. the Congress, and moving even, you know, within the region, but moving sort of out of the mix, you know, weakens your bureaucratic position. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the there's a kind of professional argument within the Bureau for like an office building that is not falling apart and that enables them to do some of the more space intensive things they require in there. Of course, there's a gun range in the basement there on Pennsylvania Avenue. And I'm just (laughs) assuming you go to the suburbs, you build a new building, you can get a lot more room to do things like that that don't typically take place in downtown office buildings.
3: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of opportunity here to actually for them, right, to re-envision what do they need from their space and actually create something that serves them properly. The The building downtown is in such poor shape and so poorly suited to their needs that there are like nets hanging from it to catch falling <laughs> debris so it doesn't hit the sidewalk, right? So this, this has been a long time coming.
1: What's this mean, like for the, the D.C. region? You think this is going to do what people say in terms of like bringing some development and economic activity, uh, etc., to Prince George's County? I think one example of how this has happened before, 20 years ago, the
3: FDA moved to White Oak, which is just like three miles away from Greenbelt in Montgomery County. And it was similarly, you know, portrayed as like this is going to bring jobs and investment to a part of the region that didn't have a lot in the past. And as someone who, who grew up and went to high school in White Oak, it's fine. <laughs> 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 it's there. There are several thousand people working there. Some of the spillover benefits remain unclear. Mm. Right. People already live where they live. Right. And they aren't necessarily going to pick up their entire lives and move just because their job moved a couple of miles away. Right. For sure.
2: All I got to say about this is can we pour one out for the J. Edgar Hoover building? (laughs) That horrendous, brutalist, gross thing on Pennsylvania Avenue that will like actually maybe make them all a pleasant place once again.
1: Dan, you've written about this before. What do you hope goes there? And just to be clear there's not any decision been made about that
3: no, no no that's right we don't even know if they're going to move yet because congress has to give the funding and there's all sorts of you know zoning and permitting stuff that has to happen from prince george's county in the past i've written that the fbi site should be a skyscraper that like this is an opportunity for dc to go you know balls to the wall and do something really cool and interesting with this site because it's this big important site downtown and to do something really cool and iconic but Julia, if you're talking about pouring one out for the FBI building, the FBI building is, in fact, pouring one
1: out for itself.
2: <laughs> On the street.
1: Yes. Literally. <laughs> Meaning it, it's falling apart. Yes. yes. <laughs> for people keeping score at home, the regional politics of this. Uh, in Virginia, the governor, Republican Glenn Youngkin, made a big push to have it come to his state. So in addition to losing in his effort to take over the legislature in Virginia this week, at the losing at the polls, this is also another L for him. In Maryland, particularly in Prince George's County, Angela also Brooks, who's the county executive. She's running for Senate next year. And this is a big W for her. No, totally. It's a a big get. And
3: if anything, like the symbolism of this is the biggest part, because this has been discussed for such a long time. And it's still an open question if it'll actually happen, that I think we'll still
1: be talking about this in like symbolic terms for a pretty long time. And given the has suddenly become a partisan issue, and Republicans expressed great displeasure with it. You could imagine Congress saying, like, no money for you, you mm-hmm. can pitch a tent on the mall. Yeah, that's what happened five years
3: ago when when former President Trump basically put the kibosh on the entire thing, and that, depending what happens next year, could very well happen again.
0: The brand new Arbor at Tacoma is built for your most convenient urban living. Whether you want to enjoy the vibrant Tacoma DC community or comfortably retreat into a sleek sanctuary all your own. The kitchens have striking dark navy and white cabinets and throughout the home, there are wood floors and smart home technology. Some homes even have a private outdoor space. With a quick walk to the metro, you can easily head into downtown or stay close and enjoy the retail that's on site. Located at 218 Cedar Street Northwest, the Arbor Tacoma offers brand new one and two bedroom condos starting in the upper 300,000s. Visit TheArborAtTacoma.com for more information. That's Tacoma with a K. So T-H-E-A-R-B-O-R-A-T-T-A-K-O-M-A dot com.
1: All right. So listen, just a couple blocks from the FBI building, there's another building, much less controversial. The, the teams that play inside, uh, much less of a partisan charge about them. I'm talking about the arena in Gallery Place, where the Wizards and the Capitals play, which is currently Capital One Arena. It's gone through a number of names over the years. This week, Monumental Sports, which is the Ted Leonsis' company, the parent company of both the Capitals and the Wizards, as well as the Mystics and the Capital City, GoGo, they have reportedly asked DC for $600 million of public funding for a, a major renovation of the arena, the renovation would cost about $800 million, but they will kick in a quarter of it themselves. Over the summer, they took a meeting with Virginia officials with the idea that maybe they could at least look like they're thinking about leaving town. Julia, what do you make of this?
2: So unless you all have $600 million lying around, which I don't, I'm not a trust fund human, unfortunately, this would be a big loss for downtown D.C., Mayor Bowser has said that she wants the commanders to move back to the old RFK site. She thinks that would be a big push. And she has said, like, she wants to keep the Caps and the Wizards here. And Capital One Arena is like the big sports and entertainment complex, not just for like the Caps and the Wizards, but also for like big time concerts and stuff like that. Uh, So what they want to do is have these upgrades basically happen over four years uh, in the off season. So over the summer. So your commute downtown is going to be horrendous <laughs> as they try to shut that down. But basically what they would want to do is transform the actual seating of the arena, that seating bowl. They want fewer nosebleed seats. They want you to be able to be closer to the action, which I'm a big fan of. They want a food court that's going to be open during non-game days, which I actually think is like a big plus because there's a bunch of museums around there and you can go out and shopping and get food there. And they also want a fancier, better new glass entrance at 7th and F Street. That is what they want. The question is whether or not, obviously, they are going to get it. Ted Leonsis has noted like, hey, we could like be in talks with Virginia or Maryland to try to move the caps and the whiz out there. So it does put Mayor Bowser in kind of a weird spot to see if she's going to be able to get taxpayers on board with this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So like she's in favor of bringing kind of spectacle into the city, whether it's football or this arena. But it's a tough thing that this is a lot of money. There'll be better seats at the stadium and stuff like that, which is great. But it's not like we get the money for the people who get the better seats. And asking, you know, city taxpayers to pay interest on, you know, a bond or however they pay for it for the next 30 years is like a, a pretty tough ask. I've been super skeptical about bringing the football team back into town on the logic that that's like eight or nine games a year and football culture is doesn't like people tend to not like go out to dinner after and, you know, engage in economic activity after a long game. Uh, I think the economic impact of that arena is much clearer and easier to see. There's like 90 or so events a year, at least there. And people do actually spill around the neighborhood that used to be a fairly bleak place. So, like, there's a much more logical argument for why we ought to pay for that.
2: Right. And one person who agrees with you on this actually is Wartix Council Member Charles Allen. He wrote an opinion piece in The Washington Post saying that there's, like, two big reasons why we should be investing in Capital One Arena uh, as opposed to, like, the old RFK site. His first argument is the one that you made. Like, it's active year-round. It's on one of the most connected metro stations in the country. The teams there have more general activity. He wrote that the Downtown Business Improvement District estimated that Capital One Arena's activity brings in $341 million in annual spending Hmm. simply from game and concert days. And because there's no off-season in that, that's really good for downtown D.C. The second thing that he had noted was that, like, if Leontis and his team move stuff out of downtown, like, I don't know that crippling is the correct word, but it might be like it would really impact what downtown is for and what we imagine it to be. Like, do we imagine downtown as a place where you go to see entertainment and things of that nature and go for a fun time? Or do we imagine downtown as only office buildings? Um, so I think he kind of has the idea that like there are going to be big repercussions if they don't stay there.
1: But that's where I've got some questions, which is mm. like, would they really move? I mean, it's obviously, it's easy to like ha- schedule a meeting with like the yes. Arlington economic development people or something to make it look like that. But it's not like being downtown is without advantages to the Wizards and Capitals, right? It's not like they could go anywhere and we're just lucky if they choose us. We, it, downtown has a lot, of, a lot to offer that someplace more peripheral in the region might not. So... This question of like, is this threat something that they'd actually act on, which gets back to this kind of at a time when budgets are getting tighter for the district. Anyone who can own a sports team is obviously very wealthy and they have like recently taken on as a minority partner, the sovereign wealth fund of the state of Qatar, which is an autocratic energy rich kingdom, which is just to say it is harder to buy into, you know, poor mouthing from an outfit with that profile than from, like, a little mom-and-pop store.
2: Oh, for sure. That is definitely uh, a factor there, but it's also inconvenient for Ted Leontes and Monumental Sports to leave because they are trying to nab office space in that area, uh, and they're also planning to build a studio, like a broadcast studio, for Monumental Sports Network and Entertainment that's going to open sometime in the next year. The current headquarters for that was the old NBC Sports building in Bethesda. And so, yeah, I mean... It is inconvenient if they try to move. I think Ted is probably a shrewd businessman. I do wonder how many millions he's gonna ask from taxpayers. Dan, are you uh, nervous that you might have to contribute potentially to that sweet, sweet 600 million? I
3: mean, I'll look between the couch cushions. (laughs) This feels like the opposite of the FBI, right? Like there is a real argument for taking an office complex where people need to do lots of secure and secure things out of DC versus a thing that brings a lot of energy that you you want people to congregate at. I, I think, I think Mike, you're right. Like downtown has a lot of leverage here. And the idea that they could justify moving capital one or whatever they want to call it in the future to Potomac yard is Taylor Swift, who has already snubbed DC once going to go play in, in, in Arlington or Alexandria
1: instead.
2: no, no. <laughs>
1: I do think their cause is aided by the fact that Ted Leonsis is sort of a beloved civic figure. There's other sports owners in other cities who are sort of cast as villains. Leonsis has a very sort of sunny reputation, and that's going to help him. But Dan, you actually, this is stuff you think about you know, professionally, which is like, let's say there was a new arena put up across the river or something, and the teams moved mm-hmm. over there. We've had Gallery Place, which sort of in our lifetimes has gone from being fairly desolate at night to being full of bustle and activity. would Would it have to revert to what it had been or or could it still be like a, a a destination that people like and that that is not scary at night?
3: i'd I'd like to think that, you know, as much as downtown benefits from a big venue, that it could it's still resilient enough to to survive without it. I mean, we saw how, you know, the the convention center moved and the old convention center site sort of filled in as city center, D.C., which is, again, a place where people like to shop and live and and do stuff. And so if it were to move, there would be a lot of demand for that land to do something else that people would be into. Uh, Not a reason for it to move, but I'm not as worried.
1: on the subject i guess of fees people may not want to pay <laughs> our friend of CityCast, jessica sidman had a piece in washingtonian this week about the trend towards restaurants in dc charging fees to you the diner if you want to pay for your meal with a credit card and this uh in uh, various online fora has sparked a lot of consternation and outrage and it's sort of the latest weird like cash versus credit controversy, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Per her article, it said that basically if you put down a visa or an American Express card, you're going to have to pay more. And because they own such a huge market share of credit cards, like what do you do? Like if I use my MasterCard, does that mean I get charged the credit card fee or do I have to be carrying cash all around so I don't have to pay three or 4% extra on my bill, you know?
1: So it's weird because, like, the last time there was one of these issues about credit cards was when the D.C. Council, following the, the sort of lead of the sort of progressive activists, tried to crack or successfully cracked down on no-cash establishments mm-hmm. uh, with the idea that there's people who don't have access to credit cards and they are disadvantaged by this and, you know, unable to shop at Sweet Green. and now it's sort of the other way around obviously the clientele for upscale dc restaurants uh, has access to credit cards and presumably has access to atms but most people don't want to walk around with you know 300 bucks in cash on them or whatever it costs to eat a big fancy meal and i i suspect that at the core of this it's just another way to get money from yes. you without having to actually raise the sticker price
2: yes that is that is definitely something that they have talked about i mean one of the interesting things to me about this is that it comes when initiative 82 right the the law that phased out the system that allows businesses to subsidize like your base wages with gratuities so like tips for wait staff and stuff like that has taken effect so looking at a receipt now From your restaurant it's going to read like a cbs receipt like you're going down the list and it's going to be like here's this surcharge with interest here's this fair payment thing that we're going to add on to like i don't know man to me personally i would just be like give me the sticker shock up front uh the fee thing like i don't want to know after the fact like oh my god my meal that was supposed to be 30 dollars is now somehow like 60. dan what are your thoughts on that
3: I envision a future going to a restaurant will be like airline fees, right? Like you'll see one price, but oh, this is reasonable. And then you go and you've already eaten the food. And so you just have to swallow it.
1: I think also the thing of, of cash is it is more, how you say, fungible. It doesn't have to have existed. You could put that money in your pockets as a tip instead of allowing your boss to divide it up as they see fit. You could just sort of do more away from prying eyes with cash. I mean, I think the end result of this is just going to be people paying the extra three or 4% and still paying with a credit card because they didn't think in advance to go get cash. But in the event there was like slightly more cash going around, there's some people who would see an upside to that and not because they are just trying to dodge the charge that a credit card company will put on the businesses that use their cards. When was the last time you paid for a big meal in cash?
2: Oh, my God.
1: I think uh, grad school, maybe. Because that, that was like the ATM
3: for me, right? Like,
2: mm.
3: you know, all your friends give you cash and it's a big wad walking around. That feels
2: nice. Yeah, I don't know. Last time I paid for a meal in cash. Like, I always have, like, 20 bucks on me just in case of, like, emergency or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like that 20 bucks goes to Vache because it's easier to just fork over a 20 for your two slices of pizza than, like, <laughs> get out your card. But, like, I assume I, you know, will continue to use a credit card at most of these establishments. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to be going to an ATM and yanking out $300 to avoid 3% upcharge, you know.
1: Does that upcharge piss you off?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the way to go about this, if you're a restaurant is you have to be upfront on your menu and say like, Hey, in order to keep our restaurant going, because the profit margins are so thin already, they have to be upfront and say, Hey, on the menu, I want it in big, bold lettering. We have the I-82 gratuity. Also, here's a credit card fee. We know it sucks. Please just let it happen. And I think people can be the judge of that if they want to or not. Um, I think kind of Quietly slipping it in at the end. I'm not a fan of it, personally.
1: All right. Well, Julia, Dan, awesome to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. And that is all for today here on Zidic SDC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilve. Our producers are Julia Karen and Elizabeth Kama. Our newsletter editors are Kayla Cote-Stemmerman and Adrian Gonzalez. Our production assistant is Susanna Brown. And our hosts are Bridget Todd and me, Michael Schaefer from Politico. Music is by Alex Roldan. If you enjoyed the show, pour one out for the J. Edgar Hoover building. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Is
2: that Drizzy in the (laughs) background? A little bit. He's he's an itchy boy.